Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Cloud Unfiltered. Today, we have Emil Sayeg, hopefully I pronounced that right, from Entirety. And tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, you know, a little bit about your background. Just before you do that, today we're going to discuss a little bit about uh, cloud security. So we're going to frame it up that way, but just tell us a little bit about yourself first. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you so much for hosting me. Um, glad to uh, to be here. And um, uh, so I'm the CEO of a company called Entirety. Um, we are a, are a global um, managed uh, services provider that's focused on compliance security. And um, I've been the CEO of this company basically for the last five years. Entirety is really the product of a merger between um, two companies called Hostway and Hosting. We uh, consummated that uh, merger about two years ago and rebranded the company as Entirety. So I've been operating under that, uh, uh, that brand for, uh, for quite a while now. Before that, I was uh, the CEO of a company in the same uh, general space, I would say, called Cadero. And then um, before that, I was uh, at Rackspace, where I was the head of product development there, head of product, and then uh, was the GM of the cloud business and uh, helped uh, conceive of uh, the open source uh, uh, cloud operating system called OpenStack. I also uh, started the cloud business at HP. So yeah. That's kind of me in a nutshell. I live in Austin, Texas, uh, and um, love the outdoors and um, love technology. And uh, yeah, so looking forward to this. So when you sent over your bio, you actually used the words fathers of OpenStack. And so I have to ask you, how do you feel about your, uh, your baby, your son, going off into the world and just being completely destroyed over the last three to five years as people struggle to implement it? Yeah. What, what, what is your, uh, your feelings on that? <laughs> I agree. Um, I agree. I mean, the initial, the initial goal of OpenStack, that, that's a great segue. The initial goal of OpenStack, frankly, was a... Um, a cloud operating system that would be able to stand up to um, the likes of Amazon and Azure and and um, and, and later Google, right? Um, I think it kind of morphed um, as time went on to more of a private cloud, which is still you know a valid uh, um, a valid uh, construct for it. Um, but um, I think uh, um, look, it it served its purpose. Um, it, uh, it was a check, uh, at the time, um, for the big boys and, and an alternative, uh, to the big boys. And I think now it's kind of finding its groove in more niche applications and, and private cloud. So, um, you know, it's just kind of like the way that technology goes, right? Yeah. Yep. It's, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny because, you know, everything's getting virtualized these days and the virtualization is getting virtualized. So, you know, it's like you're just abstracting away piece after piece. So it started out with the hypervisor, then it's a container. Now it's going, then it went down to serverless. <laughs> now it's just function as a service. What is it next? Is it like, is it like infrastructure as what, code? What? Yeah. Infrastructure <laughs> what, as what? code, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Infrastructure right? as code. Absolutely. So, you yeah, know, yeah. it's, it's interesting how we just keep abstracting away all these pieces, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is good because I mean, you know, that, that makes it portable. You can move from one cloud to the next, to the next. Right. And then uh, um, you can, and, and, you know, pretty soon, um, you know, a lot of people are not going to know how to interact with a server, you know, frankly, a lot of people will not know how to interact with a server. Right. And, um, and, um, I think they just focus on what they're doing, which is coding and, um, you know, but that comes with its own set of issues because, you know, because sometimes you don't know how things actually work. Um, uh, 
you know, this is where security becomes, you know, very important. This is where sec DevOps becomes, a, you know, very important, right? Where you're implementing true security, um, um, you know, I'll say safeguards into your code. So, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting how things, uh, you know, kind of become that way. Because I remember, and this is going to make me sound old, and Andrew always laughs at me for this. But <laughs> I remember the DOS days. And they were like, oh, well, Windows is abstracting away all that knowledge of what's going on before that. And you don't have to know assembly language and all this kind of stuff. And then they came out with .NET. And then you don't have to know C. And then, you know, so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of the same thing. And we just keep going further and further out where your people are losing that knowledge. So are you telling me that my Banyan Vines and, and all this knowledge of uh, Novell Netware and Lantastic and, you know, all this stuff is not relevant anymore? Is that what it's still in high demand, man. <laughs> <laughs> so when, uh, when, you, when you guys reached out a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, it, it came at a very opportune time because I think, you know, the way um, Emil was, was kind of pitched to us was here's, here's someone who could come in and talk a lot about cloud security and cloud governance and compliance and et cetera. And, you know, obviously we're, we were all reeling still from the news of the solar winds hack. Uh, and, and to be quite honest, like I, I still, my mind is completely blown with how um, I'll say in depth and thorough that attack was. But before we go down the route of talking about supply chain and, and solar winds and et cetera, you know, can you give us a, a kind of an impression on where cloud security is today? You know, like maybe By the a way, little this bit is of this is Andrew trying to reel things back in. This yeah, is, this is me being the, the father <laughs> figure. The man. Well. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, just just to kind of bring us back into that that sort of cloud security sort of um, topic. You know, what what have we what have you seen in the industry change um, that kind of led us up into this the solar winds attack? Before we get there, yeah. Um, I mean, look, um, I'll be honest with you. Security and disaster recovery were kind of you know whenever we'd go talk to um, uh, to CIOs, you know, they, they would think of them as nice to haves um, in many cases. You know, a lot of people would kind of, to, to some level, um, you know, I would say before the, the increased frequency of, of, of hacks and attacks over the last um, year and a half, you know, people just kind of roll your, uh, their eyes whenever you would paint the worst case scenario, you know, that black swan kind of an event that's, um, that's going to, you know, cripple a, um, a, a company or have disastrous effects and say, you know, look, you know, you guys are in the industry, you know, you're geeks, you know, you're uh, thinking about the worst possible scenarios and so on and so forth. I would say there is an awakening that is happening um, at different levels. Um, surprisingly, I want to tell you that the awareness for security threats is now at the board level. It's no longer at the tech, you know, at the technical level. So my my message to all the technical folks, to the folks that, you know, are in IT and whatnot, is just make sure that, you know, you have your ducks in a row and you are really presenting the full picture to um, your management because you know boards are under tons of pressure right now. Um, so that their companies are not um, under um, under cyber attacks or are compliant or whatnot, you know, a lot of the engagements that we used to get used to be from the IT department. You know, a lot of the engagement that we get were from the CTO or the CIO or somebody with that kind of or director of IT that kind of title. Now we're getting pulled in from you know somebody on the board um, whose whose job 
is to make sure that their company doesn't get uh, got hacked or ransomware or 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 right yeah so so companies and i've always said this even when i was a consultant i said companies care about risk they don't care about security so that's that's a different type of topic so that's that's the key there you know if there's they look at the risk and they say okay what's the what's the um you know the estimated risk and and they'll they'll do something and it's it's funny because I, I was in network security for about 20 years and as a consultant and i remember you know right after you know uh any of these nimda or whatever attacks back then when i was still in it um you know were code red <laughs> um you know that's when the companies were very interested and then like you know you talk to them two to four weeks later and all of a sudden they forget very quickly you know it's i mean it's an interesting problem i i one of the the bigger hot takes out there is do i even need to pay for security if if the fines the the, the negative fallout of the breach isn't going to materialize into anything major right so if you look at uh look at citibank um let's look at uh what was the other one the 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 tax firm um Equinex, right? Uh, a lot of them are probably operating in the same sort of number set that they were before the hack, right? I think about the fact that Target at one point had all of their APs uh, hacked and Home Depot had a similar issue. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, are, are you seeing a transition now though that, that CEOs are realizing that the ramifications of, a, of an attack far outweigh the perceived risk or fallout of, of, um, of that said attack? Um, I, I would say the answer is yes. Um, like I said, there's an awakening. Um, it's at different levels, different degrees, and so on and so forth. But there's definitely an awakening, um, and um, I think I think people are realizing. You know, look, um, you know, a lot of the stuff is not um, is not without effect. Uh, there's a you know, solar wind is um, has really you know, I, I mean, ha has really. Um, has a lot of uh, damage control to do with their brand, right? Um, with this hack. Um, so, um, you know, perhaps Target um, or, you know, some of these other firms may not be um, affected by, uh, by a hack. Um, but, you know, um, technology companies that are supposed to um, be a lot more aware um, are suffering from, um, from this, right? So, um, I think what's going on is that um, the companies that have intellectual property um, that needs to be safeguarded are now awake. It's not just about leaking consumer information, just like in the case of Target and others. Yeah, who cares about the consumer information? I mean, <laughs> right? Right? That's exactly the point. That's you know, that's your point, actually, Andrew. Um, but now you know you got um, a lot of the designs that Tesla had. Um, that have been um, essentially ransomwared, uh, um, and uh, not you know not being put you know not being given back to the uh, to the to that supplier company for Tesla as an example, um, and uh, you know even when they were unlocked because they paid the ransom, who knows what they did with that uh, with that oh, idea. Absolutely. Well, the exposure profile has changed, right? So, you know, back to, to Mike's uh, ageism, right? When he was in the data center, like, you, you know, sometimes it was just literally the physical locks on the door that was enough. Uh, but now when you oh, start- you've been to putting, one of my data centers. 
Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. It was a smoking pile of fire off the 95, right, in New Jersey. Um, no, but I mean, the problem is when you start dumping things in a public cloud, you know, collaboration is great, um, highly available resources are great, highly scalable resources are great, but you've got a lot of back doors into your sort of uh, pipeline that you got to be a lot more cognizant of. And to be honest, like we all joke, but, you know, consumer data is obviously important. But, you know, I think my social security number uh, has been linked probably at least 80 times since I've been alive. Exactly. Um, for Mike, it's been probably about 200. So, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, the, the exposure profile has completely changed. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, now really that exposure is, is more great because of social media and because of... Uh, you know, everything that's out there, it's a brand. So, you know, you tarnish your brand when you have one of these things happen. And that's the more important thing to the bottom line, uh, I would argue. But to go back to what you were saying about, you know, that exposure profile, I would argue that, almost argue that, uh, you know, cloud is probably the safer place to be because there's, uh, you know, there's more protection put into place. There's more policy. And if you go to any company and you just have, you know, whoever's managing that, I would argue that those places are less, you know, tightly, you know, and it depends. It's, it's obviously all over the place, but less tightly governed and, you know, um, put together than something in the cloud. Michael, 100%. Um, and, and, you know, we'll talk about that. You know, there's a lot of people who would say, well, you know, Cloud security and uh, on-prem security are kind of the same. You know, it all depends on the controls that you put in. I actually disagree with a lot of that. Yeah, certainly the controls are the same. You can put multi-factor authentication on both, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but then, you know, um, who's, you know, on-prem, if you're doing it yourself, um, you know, do you have the best and brightest? Do you have a 24-7 team that's monitoring your security, right? And now we're talking about the IT security. You know, that's other than physical security. Um, in the last few weeks in Texas, couldn't, couldn't get to their offices. People could not get to their offices. You know, um, if you have servers in like some server closet or on-prem somewhere, um, um, who knows uh, what's going on there, right? Um, you know, whether, you know, the power's out, um, um, you know, who's going to go in and, and reboot, you know, oh, okay, well, it's the closest person to that office that's going to get there. You know, do they have the security uh, clearances? Do they know what they're doing? You know, are they going to inadvertently um, expose, right? So um, when you are putting it in the cloud, you know, these are um, centralized um, uh, data centers and centralized systems that are spread, um, uh, both centralized and spread all over the world to make sure that they are uh, protecting against eventualities like this, right? And then security is built in. Security is built in. Whenever we're, you know, building systems in the cloud, I mean, you got a bunch of paranoid people like like me and, you know, um, and you and others, right, that are, <laughs> that are building these things for every single eventuality um, because we have thousand, uh, thousands of customers. It's not just one customer that's going to get impacted. It's not just Target or, um, you know, um, or, uh, uh, or a bank or whatnot. It's thousands of customers that are going to get impacted. And, you know, we got to build it with that level of paranoia, right, where, you know, kind of looking at every eventuality and, uh, and, and really kicking around, you know, every one of those black swan events that can happen uh, to make sure that we guard against it. 
That's a that's a good point, right? Uh, one of the things that we commonly come against, and 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 this is more of a a personal day job thing, but you know, Mike and I are always trying to position a, a SaaS platform, what is fundamentally a SaaS platform, and that, and that's really what um, AWS and Azure and, and Office three sixty five really are, and there's always a lot of pushback from either uh, you know an IT administrator or you know we'll call them a technologist where they've you know they've rolled their own for so long that they think that um, everything's hunky-dory, that, there, that nothing possibly could go wrong. And it's usually in those conversations, as you start to talk to their boss and you start to ask those questions like, what is your disaster recovery plan? Uh, what is your access control policy? Who, uh, what dictates governance in your given environments? Um, how do you do backups, right? All of a sudden that guy, the technologist is in the back of the room just like shrinking into a little ball because he realizes that like 50 to 80% of what you just asked is not documented. It's only understood by him and his immediate team. And when he goes and he takes a higher paying job at a different company, you're stuck holding all the things that he was doing. Um, and so it's really like, I, I can understand an aversion to maybe going to a SaaS platform because you have security concerns, but do your research first is probably what I would advocate. Like yeah. you've got major companies who are running their entire operation on AWS. I guarantee you they're doing it in such a way that it is far safer than anything Citibank was ever doing in their private data center, right? Absolutely. Because they're not getting hacked. They're not getting hacked. So, um, you know, that's a little soapboxy, but it is something that Mike and I do have to fight with every every single day when we talk yep. to our customers. No, you're, you're, you're spot on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, where it breaks down is that you really have the 24 by 7 team uh, that does that, you know, on, on New Year's Eve and um, New Year's Day. And, you know, I mean, that's there, right? Because yeah. a lot of a lot of these hacks happen. Um, you, you know, I mean, I used to, I used to always call it, I'm like, okay, you know, it's Memorial Day, you know, there's going to be a bunch of activity during that, because this is when, you know, people's defenses are the lowest, right? I mean, hackers are smart. You know, you're talking about these hackers are no longer you know, a, a dude in the basement, right? I mean, these are nation states, right? These, the hacker factories, you know, people show up, it's a building in, um, in um, you know, China, Russia, um, Iran, Vietnam, you name it, right? Um, people show up to work just like we show up to work. And then, you know, they're going in and they're trying to hack. They're trying to um, create all kinds of nefarious activity out there. Um, North Korea, um, North Korea actually uh, pays, the government actually pays these um, um, the hackers. There's thousands of them. It's documented and, and, and have been proven over and over and over again, right? We so, just call them the CIA and the FBI in the United States. No, yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point. I mean, there's, there's, you know, when I, I remember the same thing you were talking about that, you know, during those times, there, that there would be a way more activity and, um, you know, and, and things like that. That's why it's very important to put systems in place that monitor these things. You know, it's funny, because anytime I remember going, I used to set up a lot of IDS and uh, IDP platforms uh, back in the day in the old days, Andrew. They used to have these things. Um, the good old days. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's funny because like 90% of the time I'd go back like two weeks later, I'd be like, so what did you do? Did you, you know, filter out all the bad messages and, and you know, whittle it down to, you know, only the stuff that you need and make sure you put in all your servers and, you know, what the good traffic is and all that kind of stuff. All the, all the you know, you know, tuning, tuning that. And, uh, you know, most of the time they'd be like, oh, we just didn't have time. We didn't have time to do it, you know, so 
there's there's this whole thing, you know, this whole concept of, you know, IT has these priorities and the priorities are usually to get something out the door or to do something or to configure something. The priorities typically aren't around, you know, security. They'll do best, you know, what they think are best practices during implementation time. But all the all other times it's it's just status quo. So, you know, you got to think about when you deploy something to the cloud, you're getting best practices out of the box, exactly. whereas you're not, you know, you're not doing something, you know, you're not, you're not doing that on-prem. On an ongoing basis, exactly. I mean, that's the whole idea. You nailed it. You know, we'll do it once here, but then what's the, what's the, um, you know, continual uh, improvement uh, uh, processes that are going on that are, that's being done all the time. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. So, so you actually, one of the things that you wanted to talk about, and I actually think this is a great segue for it, is it, when, when you're evaluating these platforms, when you're evaluating to go public cloud or SaaS versus something on-prem, in your, in your opinion, is that something that the IT administrator should be cognizant of, or is it something that the C-suite should be cognizant of? Like, is this more of a bottom-up? directive? Because I, I feel like it, it usually has been in the past, right? Like, l- let's be fair. A lot of IT administrators acknowledge that they're lacking framework. They're lacking a lot of the right product or, or the right processes to ensure that everything is safe. And they're usually the first people to say, hey, by the way, like this is a problem. Um, so are we seeing a, a paradigm shift here a little bit where the CEOs are acknowledging like, hey, I need to drive this from the top down? Security needs to be something that happens at my level, and I should leave it up to the engineer to, to solve. Um, look, listen. Digital transformation um, was a buzzword, but you know, frankly, you know, CEOs came in, you know, about you know three four years ago. It's like, hey, man, you know, I was at the CEO quote unquote conference, and you know, Gartner or IDC or whoever, you know, said, you know, we got to go to the cloud, and they would, you know, it was pushed down, like you know, they were pushing it down on the. You know, we got to go to the cloud, you know, pay, you know, and then CFOs got involved as well. And, you know, pay, pay, you know, pay as you go and so on and so forth. And the poor IT managers and IT directors and CIOs were like, okay, you know, like, you know, it's not just a wave of the hand, you know, where you can just put something in the cloud, right? You know, we got, we got old legacy data, uh, databases that, you know, that don't transfer very well in the cloud that were designed and built, you know, way before the word cloud was even conceived of, right? So um, that's kind of like, you know, the, 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 the era of uh, Michael and I, right, where we come from. <laughs> uh, so, you know, from a long time ago. So bottom line is that right now, the same pressure is coming down um, to the CIOs and, um, and, uh, and IT administrators, but now it's security, right? It's like, Hey, what are we going to do about the security thing? You know, so-and-so got hacked. You know, I read about this and, you know, my school got hacked the other day, you know, we had a, we had a bank out of the, um, out of the Baltimore area. And, um, and they said, well, my kids' school got hacked and ransomware. I, you know, I can't imagine what's going to happen if, if it happens to us. Right. Um, very interesting. Right. So, um, so, you know, I've, I've written an article that says, you know, no one's safe. And, uh, people said, well, thanks, you know, now we're all paranoid, but you know, seriously, no one's safe. I mean, this stuff is going to schools, going to, um, things that, you know, we did not think that it would, um, would be a target. Right. Um, so anyway, so that's yeah. just kind of a long segue here, but yeah. Yeah, no. So I think the the key, you know, the the key has always been the same though. Limit, you know, limiting your attack vector, 
And in order to do that in the in the in today in the cloud, you have to do a few things a little bit differently. Whereas before, we were looking more as software packages and verifying that you know those vendors were were you know uh, doing the best practices. Now, what you're doing is in, in the cloud world is things are more agile, and you're and you have a lot more companies creating the software. So you need to validate the software. You need to validate you know, configurations of like things like Kubernetes and API gateways and all this other kind of stuff. So, you know, that's, it's, it's a whole different world of security than just saying, Hey, I have a firewall and I'm good. You know, I'm not letting anything in. You really have to, you know, ver verify and kind of validate, you know, everything across the way and just give that least privilege, you know? So what, what do you think about, you know, uh, you know, th those elements of cloud security? Absolutely. I mean, least privilege, zero trust. I mean, that's where you need to start because, and especially in this COVID era, right? You know, you guys are working from home. Um, you know, last week because of uh, the snowvid in, in Texas, I was working from home as well. You know, a lot of our staff was working from home. Wait, did you just, did you just drop snowvid? <laughs> snowvid, yeah, exactly. Snowvid. I like that, it. Is, I like that it. is a new one that I have not heard. Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that was, uh, I haven't experienced <laughs> Snowvid yet myself, and I'm sure Mike is intimately familiar with this, but um, yeah, okay, that sounds like a, a disaster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it was here. So, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> combine, combine COVID with a, with a crazy Arctic front that hit Texas last week, you know, no power, no, no water. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of, but you know, bottom line, we were all trying to work from home. Right. And then, um, um, and are still, you know, we're, a lot of our teams are working from home. Um, and, uh, you know, you got to reevaluate what this new world looks like. You know, you have people that are, you know, have full access to the network from a home computer. Right. Um, uh, you know, I continuously say when there's a was there's a lack of authentications, there's going to be a lack of authenticity, and you're going to have um, you're going to have major issues, right? You're going to have major issues when when you do that, and then um, and then um, um, uh, you know, I I would really um, advise everybody to kind of go with um, you know a comprehensive security program where you know it starts with multi-factor authentication. Um, all the way to, you know, monitoring every bit of data that comes in and out of your network at every level and really rethinking it um, in terms of zero trust. But yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I mean, you look at the the decentralized nature of, of business now. And, and honestly, you know, it's, it, you know, COVID was the worst thing that could have happened, obviously. But one thing that it did do that was good is teach people, the companies that technology can be good for business and that you know you could maintain a business and do and and use more resources around the world by using things like webex and and all this technology and your company will still run just as good so it's kind of brought companies into the future and i don't i don't foresee that changing even after covid post covid i think it's going to be a different world i don't think you're going to see these big you know you you still will see some big campuses it depends on your tech you know your your vertical but I think for the most part, you know, or a large part, you're going to see, you know, this distributed nature, which changes the the aspect of the attack vectors and everything else that you're, you know, that occurs around there. So, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the office. Saw, yeah. uh, go ahead. Sorry, Mel. 
No, what I was saying is that the office is going to be a resource. It's not going to be a place to go to. You know, you can come in once a week, once a month, twice a week. You know, come in for an offsite. You know, this is after COVID, COVID goes away. Um, but yeah, I mean, the office is going to be a resource. It's not going to be look. You're going to go clock in eight to five every day, right? So yeah, yeah, yep. I saw uh, I saw an interesting article about um, the death of the Black Swan event, and that um, COVID highlighted that you can't just you can't just assume that certain things will never happen because it's convenient to you and, and what you're, you've been chartered to do. So like I look at, you know, the Texas snowstorm and um, you know, and you know, obviously what happened last week as it, it's a freak accident. Don't get me wrong. Like it, it is the storm of a century, if you will, but it seems like we're having a storm or an event of the century every three to four years. Right. And so, you know, maybe you start, you stop looking at things as like a black swan event and you, acknowledge that like some of these things are very real possibilities, right? Like look at the extremes. What happens tomorrow to my business if 95% of my workforce can't make it into the office, right? That seems like, you By know, the way, back, black swans all over the world are offended right now. I, I know, I know. I gotta, we gotta make sure that none of this gets edited in such a way that um, anyone gets in trouble, right? Um, but yeah, I mean- it, We're gonna it is, Dr. Seuss that stuff right now. Exactly. It is, uh, I don't wanna get canceled. I'm way too young. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting sort of conversation, right? Because I think a lot of people, they, they use that sort of definition as an opportunity to say, well, like I, I had no idea, right? But if you're running a moderately sized business, your DR, your, uh, your high HA strategy, your remote work strategy, your cloud strategy, yeah, you should be cognizant that there might be global or weather events that will prevent you from getting into the office. Um, and, and it might be 95% of your workforce. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's an interesting thing because I so first of all, I was one of three people at during nine eleven to be first on site at at Com Disco in in New Jersey, and so I really experienced what what that's like in terms of a real world disaster. But I think those disasters are different now. The disasters that you're we're talking about are. Uh, you know, they're not just one particular building, they're global in nature. There's, there's a lot of things that can occur. And also you're dealing with a different workforce, a distributed workforce. So I remember, you know, when I was a consultant going in every so often into a disaster recovery center and planning for that kind of disaster where a building was down. But now you have to plan for a disaster where people can't get to a building where people can't, you know, it's, it's a different kind of uptime and it's a different kind of strategy that you need to plan for. So it's it's interesting that, you know, that kind of old DR strategy probably doesn't play the same as as, you know, as it is today with things like COVID and the freak Texas storm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look, you you the the bar for what we call a black swan event to uh, both your points has gone way up, right? There's no excuse, right? It's it's gone way up, you know, and uh, you know, we got to plan plan for that, right? Um, I mean, you know, a meteor hitting the the you know the planet, you know, maybe now considered a black swan event, but um, <laughs> but you know, every you know everything below that, you know, we got to start planning for that because you know um, you know we're we're changing. I mean, you know, the there's the 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 weather is changing. You know, there's more people on the planet. There's more needs. Um, you know, we've, you know, we've, we have created a very high level of dependency on man-made systems. Um, I would say more importantly, you've created a dependency on man-made systems that you don't even control. 
So, Correct. you know, I think we're advocating very strongly, uh, you know, move to the public cloud, consider all the benefits that the public cloud can give you. But now it, it kind of changes the sort of questions and things that you need to care about, right? You no longer need to care about, well, um, you know, maybe governance and policy because Amazon has a really rich IM sort of framework that you can use and you can learn how to use it. But okay, what happens when Amazon goes down? right? Because you're no longer in control of your data center, right? Your data center is Amazon and Amazon is a business and theoretically it might go down. We've seen it happen at least three times in the last five years. Um, so those are, it, it, it changes the sort of questions and, and concerns that you might need to have as you start to evaluate some of these alternative solutions, right? You're not worried about, do I have dual power, you know, power supplies in every server? Do I have redundant power to the building? Does it have a, you know, a backup generator? Like those things are all important when you're running your own data center, but when you're moving everything to Equinix, right, you got to make sure you ask about those things. You can't just assume that they're going to have them, right? Um, because then you'll get caught out in the cold, so to speak, if, if something happens that you're not prepared for. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And look, you know, some of the answers may be, well, you know, don't just depend on AWS, you know, add Azure and add uh, uh, Google to the mix. And that's way you have a multi-cloud. Okay. But here it is. You know what happens while all three of them go down? You know um, that's a you know that's you know what happens when the when the network that connects you to all three of them goes down, um, right? So you know we got to think through all these and build these scenarios, and then you know give the options to the business leaders and the and the companies and say, look, you know what level of risk are you willing to assume, right? To what level are you willing to build redundancy and and security and so on and so forth. Hey, at first, we just got to people, get people to create cloud native applications, which right now they're just sticking their regular apps up in the cloud. So, you know, it's, it's all, uh, you know, baby steps here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Um, go, did you have a question, Mike? No, no. Go ahead, Andrew. So I, I did want to kind of bring it back to that solar winds conversation because we've alluded to it a couple of times. And, you know, I've done my reading, but I, I'm sure there are plenty of. Um, people who are listening who would like to maybe hear, um, you know, honestly, a securities experts sort of readout on what happened and and what sort of um, considerations are coming out of this. So could you give us, um, I, I guess, really quick uh, a primer on what was discovered? I know most of this, I think, happened in December of last year, and it was only recently right. coming out. Uh, I find it ironic that they just released their, I think, Q2 results, and there's like going to be a significant lag. And I think the ramifications of what happened here, but uh, yeah, could you just kind of describe what happened there and, and maybe the, the sort of fallout that's that's going to occur? Sure. I mean, the highlight to me is that this is a supply chain. You know, it wasn't necessarily a um, a, a solar wind hack as much as solar wind was used to hack other end customers and expose other end customers, right? So. That's a, you know, by, by the way, I don't want to, you know, just, just focus on sort of, you know, right before that, it was FireEye, which is another security company that, uh, that also got compromised, if you guys remember, right? It was right before that. So, you know, we had SolarWind, we had FireEye, um, you know, and of course, you know, we had Capital One, which we talked about, but, you know, this is a supply chain hack and this has been happening over and over again. Um, maybe not necessarily with this type of publicity, because again, you know, this is so broad, you know, broad ranging, you know, it, it affected the U S government. It affected three letter, letter agencies, the solar wind hack, you know, we don't know all of its ramifications because a lot of it is actually classified because it, you know, it touched very, very, very sensitive, um, organizations in the, 
um, in the government, both in the U.S. and, and outside of the U.S. So, um, so what's going on is that they used solar wind as a Trojan horse to enter end organizations they were targeting. In the past, you know, we've seen this happen with things like um, uh, marketing analytics type uh, pieces of software, SaaS, SaaS platforms that you know you would put on your website to monitor your your visitors and so on and so forth. We've seen hacks come into that, you know, and there was one famous one, you know, about um, seven or eight years ago that actually affected um, RSA, the security, um, uh, the security organization, right? And um, and their website got hacked and um, so on and so forth. So we've seen these types of supply chain attacks happen, but this was so sophisticated, was so dormant, and um, and um, as we talked about in the beginning, of the 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 uh, the meeting here, um, the podcast, you know, very likely, highly likely that this was a uh, nation state that was uh, that was behind it. I think what was fascinating to me is that it was part of the the build process, if my understanding is correct, and that when the when they went to go repackage a new build of solar winds, it was inserting itself after the fact. And so it was like the, the very thing that was created, the framework that was created, the pipeline that was created to find those sort of issues, to find bugs and et cetera, to do you know, smoke tests and all that was the thing that actually was hacked, right? That, that actually allowed this to kind of make its way into production. So um, it was highly sophisticated. I think the other thing that made it interesting was that they, um, they knew how to stay hidden, right? Usually what happens is like, it kind of all the dominoes fall in one fell swoop, but they were pretty, they were pretty good about like, you know, poking at the right things at the right time to make sure that, you know, okay, like this is going to get us discovered. Let's not, let's not probe here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very sophisticated. Absolutely. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, how do you recover from something like that? I mean, that's a tough thing. You know, everybody, but pre pre hack, I mean, pretty much every company in the world had some kind some form of solar winds, you know? So <laughs> I don't know. Are you asking uh, how a government agency recovers? Or no, I'm asking how ends? how a company like SolarWinds recovers from that. Recovers from that. That's a <laughs> that's yeah. an interesting thing. That's a that's a good question. You know, you know, that's a good question. I mean, look, um, it's it's you know, this is the core of what you the promise that you offer um, to your customers. So, I mean, I think there's going to be a period of reckoning and a period of of damage control. And I hope I hope and pray because I mean they're they're across the highway from us. They're not far from us uh, in Austin, Texas, their headquarters are. So I hope and pray for all my friends that are there that, uh, you know, they do the turnaround and, um, and, and figure it out. And, you know, they got to admit the mistakes. They got to be transparent um, and they got to, they got to move forward with courage and conviction um, and, uh, and spare no resource to, um, um, to assure their customers um that this is not going to happen again and even when you do that sometimes you don't you don't gain the the faith back of your customers yeah. right so there, there's, even a, there's when you element, all the right things so yeah. yeah there's an element of this where it's like you know you look at the Citibank hacks Equinix hacks and you and you think and you just you just shake your head because you're like I, this was 100% your fault um you should have you should have taken better care of our data and then you look at something like this where it's it's highly sophisticated it's targeted um, you know, and, and you do, you do have to feel for the company. I think there are a lot of people out there who will, who look at the vendors and, and say, Oh, I, I'll shed no tear for a vendor. Right. You know, like, you know, Cisco's got its fair share of, uh, bugs that make it its way into production code. And, and it's not something that any of us are proud of. I will um, deny that. 
I, I swear I see a piece of it like once every other, every other day. But yeah, I mean, the point being is that you, there is an element of like, um, you, you hope to see the company turn around and, and make a, you know, yeah, make headway um, to, to recovering their image and their product products. So yeah, exactly. I mean, look, you know, I have a I have a column in Forbes that I write about. And then, you know, this is one of the things that I'm, you know, um, begging the new administration to do is just really have a focus uh, a much sharper focus on cybersecurity as national security, right? This is this is part of our national security, and I don't think that, you know, just having a Senate hearing is going to cut it because these guys, I mean, bless their hearts, you know, they're even you know older than Michael and me, you know, so uh, <laughs> I mean, they don't get it, right? So nope. you know, we gotta have a you know, say what you will, but none of you guys are cats right now, and and that says a lot about how much you understand about technology. That that might <laughs> depending, depending on how how much you want you follow the news that might land uh, dead there. But <laughs> um, what what I was gonna say is that um, now now you got me with the cats thing. I was gonna say something, and now now you just totally <laughs> threw me off with the whole cats thing. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, <laughs> yeah. Now 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 I forget. Go ahead. <laughs> um. um so this has been this has been great. Uh, you know, we appreciate you coming on the show and kind of giving us a really a, a deep dive conversation on you know cloud security. And I feel like this conversation could have gone a thousand different ways, right? Um, and and so we appreciate that you, you we really were able to hone in on a very specific subject and, and kind of uncover things that companies should be cognizant of as as they move into this more uh, cloudy sort of way of doing things um, when it comes to security. Uh, you know, before we wrap up, though, I, I did want to give you an opportunity. Um, are there any like key takeaways or any things that you definitely want to make sure that um, people take home who are listening to this? Um, especially, I think as we started talking about the, the the paradigm shift from this being a an IT administrator's problem to maybe a C-suite problem. Um, you know, what sort of takeaways would you like to leave the audience with um, as we close? Absolutely. Look, you know, here's what I'd love to kind of um, have people remember. Um, one is that there's no organization in the world that's impervious to cyber threats. Let's just let's just you know establish that. And you know, we gotta we gotta look at some of these you know companies that are getting hacked with some level of grace. Um, but what I want to say is that you know, two heads are always better than one, right? When it, especially when it comes to protection and detection, response, recovery, you know, so on and so forth. Um, um, because, you know, there are people that do this for a living that manage the security of very large infrastructure and they have years and years and years and years and years of experience in this. They've seen every possible permutation of, of a security flaw. Um, and, and this is why, you know, managed security services that sit on top of multiple clouds, multiple public clouds and private clouds and on-prem even, um, you know, that's becoming a, you know, a, uh, a major um, industry uh, that is growing. Um, and I would urge everybody to essentially look at their threat profile and figure out who they can partner with to, um, to manage the security. You know, you, you don't, you know, um, you don't have your own security guards for the building, right? Um, you need to have um, you contract a security company that does this for a living, that knows the laws, that you know has a network of um, physical security personnel. Well, same deal with IT security. Um, you know there are 
many companies out there, including Entirety, that you know this is this is what we do for a living. And uh, um, anyway, so that would be my my key takeaways. Great. Well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. Um, we we probably will have you back on at some point, and hopefully it's not because yet another thing has been hacked, and you know our social security numbers are being passed around again. Um, you know, but you, you were a great guest. We really appreciate it. Um, in the in the show notes, uh, we'll include. Um, you mentioned that you're on Twitter uh, and 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 LinkedIn, so we'll make sure that we include those. And then you've got some links about um, uh, entirety. And I don't know why I always struggle. I see the word. I know what to say, but I always struggle. Entirety. It, it, it's so difficult for me. You always struggle. The whole thing. It's just the whole thing. You, you know, you know us millennials. We can't read. Um, that's, so that's only one of the things you can't do. That's just you know. There's... <laughs> so thank you so much, Emil. Uh, we really appreciate having you as a guest on the show, and uh, we look forward to everyone uh, joining us next week on our next episode. Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. All appreciate right. Thanks care. again. Bye bye.